So tonight, we've got Miss Denise Hacker. She's a part of our church. Let me give her a proper introduction. She married her high school sweetheart, David, 35 years ago. She don't look that old, but 35 years ago, and they reside in Perryville. Denise earned her master's degree in social work from Washington University in St. Louis. She is a licensed clinical social worker. She has provided some individual and family therapy on an outpatient basis. However, most of her clinical experience is from her work in the inpatient setting where she has served as a clinician on an acute psychiatric ward for many years. She has also held various administrative positions, most recently serving as the Chief Operating Officer at Southeast Missouri Mental Health Center. So we have the privilege of her imparting into us tonight. Would you give Denise a hand as she comes? Okay. So let's just start out. Father, I just thank you for this day, and I, I yield my members to you. Lord, I just thank you that, Holy Spirit, that you're here, that you have your way, that you just flood this place with your presence and your healing power. And whatever is needed in this place, um, I yield my members to you that you speak through me and that you have your way in Jesus' name. And so we are going to talk about helping those that are hurting with emotional pain. And... Um, as Pastor already talked about, and I think um, Miss, even Miss Adrian had, had mentioned last week, um, anxiety is, is one thing that we want to talk about, and, um, and depression. There's, there's lots of different psychiatric disorders. It has been my honor to, to serve at um, Southeast Missouri Mental Health Center for the, for the past 30 years. And as Pastor mentioned, um, my work has been mainly as a clinician, on a psychiatric ward, so I've, I've had the, the um, opportunity to serve with all sorts of various psychiatric disorders. Um, but most recently, many years, I've been in the administrative role. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about depression and anxiety, and then I really want to get into the helping piece of that. Um, so here's some, some statistics. Major depressive disorder affects approximately 17 million Americans, adult Americans, um, 18 and above. And that's about 7.1% of the population. And that's in a given year. So depression is a serious, but it's a treatable disorder. It's very treatable. Um, and I want to go through the symptoms first, some of the symptoms. Um, prolonged sadness or unexplained crying spells could be a symptom. Significant changes in appetite. That could be um, a loss of appetite. There might be some weight loss um, going along with that. Could be an increase in appetite where there's, there's lots of eating, maybe um, emotional eating um, could be occurring. Sleep patterns are changing. Um, could be... Sleeping excessively. I've seen folks that are sleeping, you know, 23, 23 hours a day. Um, or restless sleep or no sleep. Irritability and anger um, could be a symptom. Worry. Worry and anxiety. Anxiety and depression are often um, kind of co-occurring. Pessimism or kind of a negative outlook. 
loss of energy, uh, really an increase in like fatigue and lethargy. Feelings of guilt and worthlessness, hopelessness. Inability to concentrate or being really in, indecisive or having trouble making decisions. Difficulty with recalling details. Inability to take pleasure. You, you used to have things that you enjoyed to do and now you've kind of lost interest in those kinds of things. Unexplained aches and pains could be a symptom. Or reoccurring thoughts of death or suicide. So these are just some of the symptoms. Clinical depression could be to the degree that um, you're not able to function. It's really impacting your ability to work um, or impacting relationships, those kinds of things. Um, socially withdrawn. Um, so here's some causes. There's really no one known cause for depression. You, if you go to a doctor, they'll go through that checklist of does your family have this, does your family have that, right? Um, so there's a hereditary component. There is a, con, uh, a genetic component. People could have a genetic uh, predisposition for, for depression. Could be from a traumatic experience, a really stressful experience. Um, you know, physical, physical abuse or sexual abuse could be, could be one of those. A loss of a loved one, financial problems. Going through a major life change, even if it's planned. So retirement, lots of folks are looking forward towards retirement, but that is a major change in, in one's life. Um, and so that could be a predisposition for, for depression. Um, You've lost that, that focus or, or your purpose. <coughs> Medical problems um, could, could be a cause. Medications can mimic um, depression. And then um, alcohol and drugs. So alcohol is a, is a, um, you know, a depressant, so that could actually um, increase the risks of, of depression. So some of the treatments for depression, um, therapy, counseling, psychotherapy, um, oftentimes looking at really kind of changing um, thinking patterns, thinking errors, and then antidepressant medications. Those are really the modes of treatment. It really depends on what's going on with that individual, what's the, what's the uh, you know, effective mode of treatment. So I want to talk about anxiety for a little bit. Anxiety can affect 19% of the U.S. population in a given year. In a lifetime, it could affect 31% of the U.S. population. That's a third of us, right? And I know that, that we talked about we're seeing more and more younger folks dealing with anxiety. So for people with anxiety disorders, the anxiety does not just go away. It can often get worse. And the symptoms can interfere with daily activities as well, with, with relationships, with work, with, with school, with whatever. There's different types of anxiety disorders. 
Um, so I'm going to talk about a couple different of the disorders um, as far as those symptoms. But it could be a general generalized anxiety disorder, panic disorder, um, social anxiety, um, phobias. There's various phobias. So generalized anxiety disorder, some of those symptoms, feeling restless or on edge, being easily fatigued, difficulty with concentration, irritability, um, even some physical symptoms of headaches and muscle aches, stomach issues, unexplained pains, difficulty controlling that feeling of worry, and sleep issues, having difficulty getting to sleep or staying, staying asleep. Panic attacks. Panic disorders can, can really look like a heart attack. Um, pounding or heart, racing heartbeat. Um, sweating or trembling. Chest pains. A feeling of impending doom. Feelings of being out of control. So the causes for anxiety, again, there, there could be a genetic component to, to anxiety disorders. There could have been family members um, in, your, in your, your family tree that those individuals suffered from anxiety. Also could be a learned response as well. I think with both depression and with anxiety, um, I think that's why it's, it's difficult to determine is this a genetic thing or is this this is the way that folks dealt with things, and so that's a learned behavior. Other risk factors. Um, shyness or feelings of being distressed or nervous um, in new situations in childhood. Exposure, again, to a, a stressful event or a negative event. Could have been so traumatic that now those, the, the fear of that happening again um, could be occurring. So treatments for anxiety, again, very treatable um, and also similar to, to treatments for depression. Individual therapy, psychotherapy, counseling, um, cognitive behavioral therapy. Again, it's the, looking at how we're kind of perceiving things and looking at thinking errors. Um, or looking at, for, for some anxiety disorders, trying to um, reduce that anxiousness where with, with exposure to that situation, possibly, um, to reduce that anxiety as, as that experience is there and there's no harm or no, you know, nothing occurring, then hopefully that exposure is reducing that feeling of anxiety. And then medications, anti-anxiety medications. Um, could be prescribed to assist with that. And then for some folks with anxiety disorders, even antidepressant medications could, could be um, a mode of treatment for anxiety. So that's, that's what I want to talk about as far as those disorders, but let's, let's really kind of focus in on what we can do. So I wanted to look at a couple folks in the Bible. Um, Elijah, I think he's, he's known to have issues with depression and, and suicidal thoughts. Um, and so in 1 Kings 
18, and then also into 19. I'm not going to turn there, but if you want to keep notes on that. So Elijah is um, really having like this, this amazing moment, right, where um, King Ahab, he's, he's got to deliver some information to, to King Ahab. God tells him to, to go get him and um, open up the heavens again for rain. But he, he finds King Ahab's servant. And just a, a side note, the servant, they meet. And then Elijah says, I want to I go talk to King Ahab. And then the servant is like, well, we've been looking for you. And, and we've told him that nobody can find you. And he doesn't want to go tell him because he doesn't want to get killed. Um, but he also makes the comment that this servant has helped a hundred other prophets hide. And so I just say that, I'm going to come back to that in a second. So then he goes and he meets King Ahab and they, they say, you know, let's get, get Israel together. Let's get those prophets of Baal and I want to have a meeting. So Elijah, you know, tells the people of Israel, you got you to gotta make up your mind. It's either these prophets of Baal's God or the Lord God. You can't be, you know, two opinions, whatever. And so he says, what if we do this? What if we have this, you know, everybody, you guys do your altar, I'll do my altar to the Lord, and whoever answers by fire, that is the Lord God. And so the people say, yeah, we'll do, we'll do that. And so they do that, and then you know the story, the, the prophets of Baal spend all day doing nonsense and nothing happens, right? And then Elijah prays to the Lord God first. He, you know, he, he restores the altar, and um, they put water on the, on the sacrifice and on the wood, and they dig, dig a trench and put water there. He prays, and God answers by fire, right? And, and so the people... Um, the Lord, he is God, you're right, and they're falling on their faces. And so I take that as they're repenting, and they're, they're turning back to the Lord because he's the one that answered by fire. And so um, then God says, you know, he, he's told them, given instructions to, to destroy the 450. And so those guys are destroyed. And then he tells Ahab, Go get ready for rain, right? And then finally they see the, the hand, the size of a man's hand, the cloud coming. And so Elijah then ren- ends up outrunning, right, Ahab's chariot. And all that happens, King Ahab goes and tells Jezebel what has happened. And then word gets back to Elijah that now Jezebel wants to kill him. And so now he's afraid, right? Yeah. Fear. Um, and so in response to that, him and his servant go 80 miles. I don't know how long it takes to go 80 miles back then. But it seems like it'd be a long time. Um, but then he leaves his servant there, and he goes another day's journey. Don't you know that the enemy withdrawal, isolation, he wants us to be isolated, right? And so he does that. He goes to a juniper tree. But then God meets him, sends an angel to feed him for nourishment, 
And, but then he sleeps. I don't know how long he sleeps, but I think he sleeps a while. I don't know if that's, I believe that's depression. Um, or was it so much that he's, you know, running on adrenaline over here with this amazing stuff that he's been doing for God? Um, and then the angel comes back again, and he feeds him again. But then he gets up, because now he's, he's nourished and strengthened. But then he goes, and he goes into a cave. And then God meets him there and says, what are you doing here? Right? right? So now he's, he's out of the will of God. What are you doing here? And God asks him that two times. And two times, Elijah says something like this. Um, you know, the, the people have um, forsaken your commandments, and they've torn down your altars, and I'm the only one. Um, but didn't they repent, fall down on their faces, right? So with depression, I think, I think he had problems with anger and bitterness, and this is, you know, political upheaval, and all this stuff is going on. And he's hanging on to that, right? It's hanging on to something in the past, a hurtful, disappointing, whatever situation. Um, and I'm the only one. But he had, there was at least a hundred somewhere hidden. But then God says, God listens to him. God's graceful. And, um, but then he helps change Elijah's perspective. Says, I've got 7,000 over here, right? And, and then he gives him purpose again. I think that big old high of all this amazing stuff, now he's lost his purpose. Um, he gets into fear. Depression and anxiety are based in fear. They're cousins or whatever. And then death is right after that. Um, and so now he's got a purpose. And he goes and he anoints the, the two kings and anoints Elisha. But his, his perspective was off with, with the whole stuff with um, the people right? He's hanging on to whatever issues he had with them and that they, they had slain all the other prophets or some of the other prophets. And feeling that he's all alone, the enemy wants us to think that we're all alone. We're in this with no one, right? So I want to talk now about Jesus. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So he had gone there often to pray. And he's going there this time because he knows he's getting ready to, Judas is getting ready to betray him. He takes his um, disciples and he leaves most of them, you know, wherever, like in front of the garden or whatever. And he takes Peter, James, and John. They go further. And he is sharing his heart with them. I am so distressed. I am so sorrowful. I know the, the words are better than that. I'm not sure exactly what he says, but he's in so much agony, right? But he's sharing his heart with his three close friends, right? And he says, I want you to stand. Stand with me. Stand and pray. And then he goes a little bit further, but he is in so much distress and anxiety and pain he literally falls. 
to the ground. And he's praying to the Father. You know, and he says, you know, God, if this, if, you know, if this, pass could cu- if this cup could pass, please. Um, but nevertheless, your will be done. And so then he goes and he checks on Peter, James, and John, and they're sleeping. Um, can't you just stay awake for just a little bit? Pray with me. Right? And then he goes back again. And he's seeking again the Father. Right? And I think at one point an angel strengthens him. Right? In his prayer time. Um, and then he comes back and now he has resolve. Right? Anxiety. He's defeated that. I know what I'm doing. I'm doing the Father's will. Right? So keep Keep in mind, he had people to confide in. He had a support system, right? And he prayed to the Father. He got direction from the Father. He got strength from the Father. Okay? So, I think we need to talk about the body and how we help our, the body of Christ and then we can help some other folks, right? Because who are they talking to in, in these scriptures? It's, it's the body, right? So here's a couple things, a few things. What does the word say about depression and anxiety? So First Thessalonians 4 and 13, it talks about, this is about a loss of a loved one. But he says, sorrow not. Okay? And that's not to condemn. Um, Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases away. I, I, I believe his perfect will for us is to sorrow not. Right? Isaiah 53 and 4, everybody knows this. He bore our griefs and our sicknesses, Right? He bore our weaknesses, our distresses. He carried our sorrows and our pains away. So he's telling us he's, he's taking care of all of those things. That's his perfect will for us, right? And pastor spoke on this on Sunday. He mentioned John 14. The Amplified says, Do not let your heart be troubled, distressed, or agitated. The Passion Translation, if you don't have that, you need to, you need to get it. Um, don't worry or surrender to your fear. And then Mark 6, 25. It says, take no thought for your life. The Amplified, which really explains it well, says, stop being perpetually uneasy or anxious and worried about your life. What you shall eat or drink or about your body, what you put on. The Passion Translation says, never be worried about your life. Philippians 4 and 6. I love the book of Philippians. Philippians is like a therapy. There's a theory in there that We need to get out there. Do not fret or have anxiety about anything. No thing. Amplified says, do not be anxious or worried about anything. 
Are we understanding what he's telling us about stuff? Do not be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. That's the, the um, Passion Translation. So clearly, God knew that the enemy was going to attack the body with fear and anxiety and depression, get you isolated, get you ruminating, right? On stuff, getting us out of where we're supposed to be. So, if he's telling us that much about, look out for this stuff, I'm sure he's got an answer for us. So, depression and anxiety both have a component of ruminating, like a mulling over, right? I keep this kind of rolling over whatever, whatever hurt or disappointment or fear. So for depression, it's, it's focused in, inward, um, maybe past hurts or whatever. Anxiety is ruminating on fears of possible future things. But God does give us tools couple foundational things. This isn't just about anxiety, depression, emotional things. Um, James 4 and 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. What's the devil in this situation? Fear, anxiety, depression. We're going to resist those things. And then Isaiah 54, 17. Wonderful, wonderful Wonderful. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. Or some other translations say, you shall show to be in the wrong. And so I I read to you Isaiah 53 where he says, he bore, right? Sickness, weakness, grief, sorrow, all that stuff. But he's telling us here... We've got a part to play, right? He did it, but I got to do something, right? So when depression comes knocking or anxiety comes knocking, I have to respond, right? Isaiah 61 and 2 Comfort those who mourn, give them beauty for ashes. The joy of oil for mourning. And I think of the joy of the Lord as our strength. We come into his presence with singing and thanksgiving, right? And the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. It doesn't make sense, right? I'm heavy and you want me to praise, right? Philippians 4 says, the beginning, rejoice in the Lord always. And that wasn't good enough. He said, and again I say, rejoice. I wonder why he said it twice. There's a, a DBT skill or dialectical behavior therapy. It's a, it's a cognitive behavioral therapy thing. But there's a skill called opposite action. 
So, for example, if I'm sad because I had a relationship thing, you know, bad relationship or whatever, my natural response to that would be to retreat, right, withdraw. But opposite action says, you go ahead, I, I'll go ahead and go out with my friends. I'll go socialize, right? So I would rather, I feel like, withdrawing, but I'm going to go ahead and push through. And so what, that, what this is saying is that I'm going to go ahead and do the opposite of what my feelings tell me that I should do, and I'm going to push through that, and that's going to impact my emotions, right? And that was in the Bible before DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, was ever created. So, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So, depression is the attack. My response is to resist. I'm going to resist it, right? I'm going to talk to it, right? How do I do that? So, we're going to, this is our first skills building exercise. So I'm going to pray a little bit, and then, then I need you to do your part. So, Father, I submit to you. This is, we're talking to depression. I submit, I resist depression. Jesus, according to Isaiah 53, you bore my griefs and sorrows. So I take authority over you, grief. I take authority over you, anxiety. We have to speak to that stuff, yeah. right? Um, and I resist you, and you must flee. And so after I have done that, what do I do? I believe that it's finished, right? And so he says, with praise and thanksgiving. And so we're going to do that. And I've got my timer here. <laughs> we're going to do this for 30 seconds. And because, and I believe, as we do this, we are, depression and anxiety is getting defeated, right? Because what we're doing is, the enemy's going, oh, I thought I just attacked her with depression. What is happening? She's rejoicing. This doesn't make any sense, right? And then we're giving God the glory and we're focusing in on him, right? The angelic activity is assisting us now because now we're giving them something to cooperate with, Right? So right now, I want you to take some time. Did I push that yet? Start. Let's praise him. Father, we just thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God, that we're whole and sound, free from depression. Thank you, Jesus. I'm walking around to hear you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, God. We just magnify you, God. We just thank you for victory, Father. Thank you for breakthrough in depression and anxiety, God. We just thank you that it's defeated in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father. Thank you for breakthrough in this, God. Thank you that you're equipping us. Thank you for victory, Father. We just praise you. God, we magnify you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. You are amazing, and we thank you for the breakthrough, God. You're so, so good, and we praise you for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I think I did it for 30 minutes instead of 30 seconds, sorry. So I thought we better stop. Has the atmosphere changed any?
So we got to do that. We can't just let that stuff sit here, right? If I don't respond to it, right, then I'm giving into it. With, with any other thing, that's, it's, it's with everything. That's why he's given us this. He said, you got to condemn it, right? So, Matthew 6, 34 says, Refuse to worry about tomorrow. This is Pastor Translation. But deal with each challenge that comes your way, one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself. People battling depression and anxiety struggle with hurts and disappointments of past stuff. The word says live in today. Therapy would say be in the present. Be present. Right? Again. It's already in the Bible before. The word says trust God. Acknowledge him throughout your day. He will lead you. That's how we can be in the present. Instead of worrying about tomorrow, we've got to refocus our attention. And we can do that if we're acknowledging him throughout the day. Right? I just thank you, Lord. You don't got to be a big old dramatic scene. Wait, everybody. Oh. No, just throughout your day. You're just, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, I don't know what to do with this. Help me with this. Thank you. Thank you. Right? Helps me stay present. Helps me stay focused. Not ruminating. So Philippians 4 and 6. Chad, could you go ahead and just pull that up? do have a scripture for you to look at. So it says, be anxious for no thing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Can you take it to the next one? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ, through Christ Jesus. I believe that Jesus did this when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He's reaching out to God. He's telling him every detail of his life, according to the Passion Translation. And then God's going to give him the answer, right? So this next part, the next verse, this is particularly important if you're dealing with ruminating or negative things. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, what's true? The word, right? Not, Denise, you're such an idiot, blah, blah, blah. Truth. Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, lovely, of a good report, Whose report are you going to believe of a good report? Right? If there's any virtue, anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. 
meditate on those things. The enemy's got stuff he would like for you to meditate on, right? So we have to be very intentional about meditating on those things that are true and lovely and of a good report. It's not enough to know this scripture. I could recite that. I would, you know, say it. That's wonderful. But if I don't do it, it's not going to help me so much. Right? We have to do what it says. Could you take it one, one more? The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. Some translations say practice. And you don't want to do this when you're in the middle of a crisis. Practice so that when that thing tries to get you, You've already done this, right? So 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, if you could pull that one up, please. This is real important with soulish things, things of our mind. I might have told you the wrong one. It's 2 Corinthians 10 and 4. Oh, you got it. Okay. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Can you go to the next? Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And look at this next piece. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Um, King James says, casting down imaginations. So again, depression and anxiety has a lot to do with our thoughts. And we need to cast down those things that don't line up with the word, those things that tell you that you're no good, you're worthless. We need to cast those things down. It talked about strongholds. If we don't cast them down, they can become a stronghold. Ruminating on negative thoughts can become moods. Moods can move us into action, right? Negative thoughts can turn into negative moods, which can turn into negative behaviors, right? So we need to cast those things down. 
All right, so let's practice that. So I just came up with three simple things. But I would encourage you to develop your own list, right? The stuff that you deal with, the stuff that the enemy tries to put on you, have a response. Okay, so on the, the left-hand side, we've got this negative defeating thing, right? So the first one is, I can't do anything right. Anybody ever had something like that come into their head? Okay, so if I do nothing with that, eventually I'm going to think that I can't do anything right, right? And I'm going to have low self-esteem and all this stuff. But my response to that thought that's coming in my head, it's not from God, right? So I do need to respond to that. And so I, I put, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, so you need to, I want you to practice that. Here's the thought. I'm the thought. I can't do anything right. Yeah, that comes into your, your thoughts. You speak to that, right? And that's why it's important to meditate on the word. Meditate, think about it, speak it, read it. Right? As soon as that thing comes, uh uh, no, 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 no. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Great job. Let's go to the next one. I'm a mistake. My parents didn't want me. Absolutely. He's got a plan and a destiny, a destiny for my life, right? Yeah. I failed the paper. I should just quit school. Yeah. So I know those were just a few. I just kind of thought of those up today to get, get that. But, but you need to. You've got to practice. The enemy wants to take us out. He wants us to be ineffective, right? You've got to practice. It's not enough to read the scripture. It's not enough to quote the scripture. You've got to do it, right? So I've got seven minutes, and I've got just a couple things, and then I'm gonna, I'm, we'll, we'll be done. So... That's for us. That's for the body of Christ. And then a couple, some tidbits that what Jesus did as far as hanging around folks, seeking, seeking some support. Um, I've got a couple stories, though. So many, 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 many years ago, we had a patient that um, had lots of, lots of issues. And they... Did, a, did some self-harm that was serious. And that patient was being transferred to an area that I was over. And 
the, the, the ward that this person was going to go to, they were very concerned. And I had come down just to check in, and there's a group of, group of them just kind of sheepishly, sheepishly kind of standing around. I was like, what's going on? And so then they told me, well, we anointed that room, and we prayed before this person was going to come. And do you know that that person never had any issues like that again? Now, our treatment's important. It's important. But you can't convince me of anything else other than their spirit-filled believers. It wasn't a psychiatrist. It wasn't the social worker. It was frontline folks. What can you do? You can pray. Your prayer is powerful. What's that saying? Well, I guess I got nothing else to do but pray. My goodness, you pray first, right? Um, that was powerful. That person, you know, was discharged and whatever. But simple, frontline people. Praying, anointing, speaking life. I'm certain, continually speaking life, just in their walk. How you doing today? You know, Jesus loves you, praying for you, whatever. And they were praying for them. And then another story. Kevin Hines. Anybody ever heard of Kevin Hines? Kevin Hines is a gentleman. Um, I'll just tell you a story, best I can. He does a better job. That Kevin, um, about 17, 17 years of age, he gets up and he tells his, his dad goodbye. And he gets on a bus. He is crying profusely. He's in the back of the bus. Hoping that somebody will say something to him. And somebody does speak. And they don't speak to him. They speak to the guy next to him and say, what's wrong with that guy? And so he's crying. Gets off at the Golden Gate Bridge. And he is pacing. He is in torment and for 45 minutes. And he says to himself, if somebody just talks to me. You know, ask me, whatever. So... A woman does speak to him. Excuse me, sir. Would you take my picture? And so he's like, you got to be kidding me. And so he takes the picture. And then inside of him, he's like, you are a burden to your family. Nobody cares about you. He jumps. As soon as he jumps, he regrets it. And then he plunges and he's got all sorts of injuries. Um, but as he comes up, he does what he has done. He prays to God and says, God, I, I made a mistake. I want to live. And then he feels this something underneath his feet. And he's like, you're kidding me. Here I want to live and the sharks are going to get me. It's a sea lion. A sea lion is actually there keeping him from thinking. Um, until, you know, Coast Guard gets him. 
But Kevin goes around, you know, the U.S. I saw him back in 2019. And here's three things he, he, he talks about that he wishes somebody would have said to him. Are you okay? Is something wrong? Can I help you? We can all do that, can't we? Right? I believe there's whatever we do, there's divine appointments for us throughout our day. If we wouldn't be so self-absorbed and focused in on us and our stuff and our schedules and whatever, pay attention to the Holy Spirit, you could save a life. Are you okay? Right? You don't have to be a psychiatrist or whatever. Just be you. Just be you. So pastor started this with Luke 4 and 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He's anointed you to preach the gospel. He's anointed you to set the prisoners free, to release the captives. I think I got that turned around, but you know what I mean. He's anointed you. Right? We can pay attention to the people around us. If we have family and there's changes in their behaviors and they're more withdrawn, check on them. Right? But he's anointed you. I think I'm done. Jesus is the answer. Great, great word. Come on, stand with me. You know, I never thought about Jesus going through that place like that and that like, but the word says yeah. that he was in all points tempted right. like as we are mm-hmm. so that he could come to our rescue and our aid. You never know who tomorrow you're going to pass by that we may need to say those last things. Are you okay? Is something wrong? Can I help you? I believe we're, we're set for that. Amen? How many is ready to do it? Lift your hands to Jesus. Father, I thank you that your anointing does rest upon this people. And we are anointed for this time to touch this harvest that is ready to come in. And this harvest that is broken. And Lord, I pray, God, that we're going to have the boldness, the courage, and the wisdom. Lord, even the discernment, Lord, to know how to minister and how to move towards them. So I declare that over this people right now. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. Give Miss Denise another big hand, all right? Great job. I remember things by little sayings, so I'm going to leave two with you tonight. Tonight when we were uh, quoting the last answer to how we think, the word was meditation. I said medication. (laughs) And then I thought, Our medication is meditation on God's word. And so that's one. The second one is we need to take a pill every day. The gospel. The gospel. That's right. So every day, get in your word. Even if you just got a few minutes, that is your medication, your pill for the day. Amen. (laughs) Amen.